this is an amazing podcast. This is an amazing podcast. Um, oh, let's talk about Buffalo Trace real quick. This podcast is brought to you by Buffalo Trace. This whiskey is so freaking good. The last podcast I did with Joe Rogan, we opened a bottle of Buffalo Trace, and it's the only time I have drank this entire uh, quarantine. I have not drank at all except with Joe. I had two glasses of this, and I was set for the night. I have enjoyed this whiskey so much that I reached out to the people at Buffalo Trace, and they were kind enough to sponsor this episode of the Birdcast. They've been distilling whiskey since 1773, ever since early American pioneers followed the buffalo herds to the Kentucky River. They even operated during Prohibition with a permit to make whiskey for medicinal purposes. purposes? I think we all like medicinal purposes. Back in 2000, the gang of Buffalo Trace was sipping whiskey and winning the Distillery of the Year title by Whiskey Advocate Magazine. And since then, they've won more awards than any other distillery in the world they are still winning whiskey magazine named them the best distillery in america again this year and they are respected respected master distiller harlan wheatley is in charge and he also makes craft vodka named after him wheatley vodka i wouldn't mind tasting some of that since 1995 harlan's been distilling at buffalo trace if the whiskey in the barrel isn't ready to go to the bottle it does not go to the bottle they know this because they taste it all that is a whiskey I trust is when they taste it all. The American Buffalo represents Buffalo Trace's uncompromising value. Obviously, the Buffalo stands strong, and it's the only bourbon with balls. Literally, it's on the label. Like, I see the balls right there. Buffalo Trace is made from corn, rye, barley, and matures twice as long as most bourbons. This Buffalo Trace bourbon ages in new oak barrels. By the way, I want to get some new oak barrels, old ones, chop them up, and make them like a railing for a for a deck. Wouldn't that be cool? Is that a bad idea? Leanne's right there rolling her eyes at me. They age for around eight years for a bust yet balanced flavor. This stuff is complex yet smooth. I loved it because I tasted vanilla. I love the taste of vanilla, brown sugar, hints of oak, toffee. I am a toffee addict. Do this during this COVID-19. Buffalo Trace is temporarily closed because of tourism, because of the coronavirus. They're still making bourbon, deemed as essential, and also da- donating... High-proof alcohol, which can be used to clean and eliminate pathogens. Buffalo Taste really cares deeply about those affected by COVID-19, and they are especially concerned about the lack of supplies to eliminate pathogens for our first responders in essential industries who may be affected by COVID-19 in the state of Kentucky. We, they are going to donate, get this, one case, 12 bottles of Clear Springs 90-proof grain alcohol to any of the following approved Kentucky-based businesses, or nonprofits, first responders, government agencies, law enforcement, uh, 501c3 charitable entities, and or healthcare. Buffalo Trace, I love this whiskey. I'm drinking once again this Friday. I will be enjoying some Buffalo Trace this Friday on this Zoom. Distilled, aged, bottled by Buffalo Trace, surely 90 proof, Franklin County, Kentucky, Buffalo Trace. American, family owned, and independent. Today's podcast, oh, here comes my lovely wife. Today's podcast is with someone I've been a fan of, I've known of for well over 25 years. She was an athlete at Florida State, and that is how I first found her. She is married to Laird Hamilton. That does not define her, although Laird Hamilton is my man crush. I don't know if you could tell that on the podcast, Halston. They called me right after this podcast. uh, They called me and on FaceTime, and I talked to both of them. I was in the kitchen with Leanne, and both the girls are like, who is it, The Rock? And I was like, oh, no, it's the lifestyle power couple. 
Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese. So, uh, but yeah, this is a great podcast. Uh, Leanne's about to do a drinking podcast, but this is an amazing podcast. Le- I, what I think is cool about uh, Gabby and Laird in general, but Gabby, and this, this is a podcast with Gabby. I, I hate to include her husband in this conversation, but it's, they're such a great couple that it's hard not to. But what I think is amazing about Gabby is just her commitment to fitness. She has said a number of things. I've watched an ungodly amount of videos on her and her, on her family about like just lifestyle stuff. They say it in the, we'll say this in the podcast, but at one point she talked about, uh, she, I heard her say, I want to teach my daughter certain things. Like for instance, bagels aren't food. And I think that you had a bagel the other day and I shared that with Gabby. I was like, I, as soon as you did it, I wanted to go bagels aren't food, but they're amazing. They have this great workout pr- program that you can find online. I'm going to go do with her when this whole thing's releases. I'm going to go out to Malibu and I'm going to go work out with her and Laird. They do this whole pool thing, which is a lot like the thing you used to do. And, um, and then go and steam and sauna. We talk about or sauna and ice bath. We talk about sauna. We talk about ice bath. We talk about her journey from through Florida state, from the islands into Florida state, her friendship with Dion Sanders. We talked about her, uh, we talk about everything. We talk about ex-boyfriends. We talk about everything. This is an amazing podcast. This is an amazing podcast. And the podcast with these Zooms, I hope you're enjoying them. They're just getting better. I'm allowed to get so much uh, broader stroke of talent because so much talent is at their home and they're willing to do these. So we got Guy Fieri coming up. We've got Tyler Florence coming up. We've got Dr. V, which is an amazing podcast. We've got uh, Logan Paul is coming up. It's going to be a fun. It's 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 going to be a fun month of podcasting. And like I said, I'm tripling down. We're doing three podcasts a week. I got two bears, one cave. I got uh, Bill Burt. So you're getting five podcasts a week from me. Hopefully, it's not too much. If it is, just stop. Just take a pause on me. Also, wife of the party. Yeah, wife of the party. There we go. I let her speak. I didn't just talk <laughs> over you like the patriarch I am. You look very pretty. Thanks, babe. Um, that's it. This is a great podcast. It really is. We talk about her raising children and uh, how grounded she's keeping her kids and how she hasn't forced her kids into, uh, into sports. It's really insightful. I love this conversation. There will be more of these. I plan on becoming really good friends with her and Laird and me and Leanne. We're going to be a power group. We're going to be a, a quadruple. And we'll talk about stuff like kettlebells and breath holes and big wave surfing. I don't know anything about any of those three subjects. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, it is my pleasure as a kid from Florida, a graduate of Florida State, and an elite athlete to bring to you this podcast, Gabby Reese. This is... I can't tell you what a pleasure this is for me. I've known of you. I've known of you. I think a lot of people have to say this to you, but I've known of you since I was in ninth grade, I'm guessing. I'm sure. Teenage boys, MTV sports or what? No, no. Oh, no. Florida State. You were there when Dion was there. So like, oh, 100%. Like, you know, so funny. Your career after Florida State was something I, I was like, when people knew who you were, I was always like, oh, you know who she is too. Because for Florida kids, so I dated a girl who was, uh, shout out to Whitney Casey, who will probably lose her mind with this, who was obsessed with volleyball, obsessed with volleyball. 
And so she was a massive fan of yours. But you came for any Florida kid. I grew up in Tampa. I went to Florida State. But for any Florida kid, you were the first famous person we had, really, kind of. Because you and you and when did you go to Florida State? I was I went in in '87, so Dion was a sophomore or junior. So he he left, and then um, I was there for two more years. And I can tell you some Dion stories. If I bet. You get into it. Um, I still know Dion today. He looks so much like a grandfather, while you still look like you're like 31. Well, part of it is like I sometimes see it with my husband, and we have daughters like you. That like I don't have. I mean, I deal with women, but I'm a woman, so I kind of understand. And I and and I feel like sometimes with men, like they have when they're like really dealing with women and daughters and wives and stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like it ages you in a different way. I feel like I've gotten so much older just in this fucking just like literally. I feel like I'm getting gray hair. I haven't had a haircut, so my hair's all stringy and everywhere. Yep. Yeah. I feel no, like I, an old I, man. I see Laird, and I, I I feel like he's like Zen practicing. You know. And I'm just like, oh, because as a girl, and I'm also even coming from women's sports, you're just around women. You understand like, oh, that's a complex beast. I'm a complex beast. And then you kind of know how to tune it out or just be like, oh, and guys are just like, can I solve that? No, I can't solve that. (laughs) Were you competitive growing up? Not so much. And weirdly, I'm not so competitive. Well, it's kind of not true. I'm a little bit competitive, but no. Like, and if you and I were doing a game, I'd be a little competitive, but not like everything's a competition. I'm not actually uh, that way. See, I have I have uh, two modes. It's either joke mode or competitive. Like I I can either write it off entirely and go, yeah, I get it. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Like if we're playing tennis, like hit like this. But the second I feel you put pace on it, I start going, okay, now we're playing. Like yeah. I I cannot shake that. And I was and it's crazy today. Now they it's like almost frowned upon to be hyper competitive, like like a Tiger Woods. But I, I think competition's good. I have something going on in my house right now. We've got a ping pong table for like obvious reasons. And I just, besides like maybe my 12 year old, I'm like the worst person in the house in ping pong. And um, I'm trying to be like, oh yeah, it's no big deal. But inside I'm like, I really want to kill somebody. And then I tell myself the expression, you're not good enough to be mad. You know that? Have you ever yep. done that in those sports? Mm-hmm. And I meet people all the time where I'm like, Yo, like this is your second time. Like you're not actually good enough to be mad. <laughs> so I keep telling myself, like, yeah, you're just not good enough to be this pissed off. So take it easy. <laughs> See, my brain with ping pong. We used to play ping pong in college, and this is the way I like all sports, all competition is with some sort of punitive damages at the end. So sure. we used to play, and if you lost the point, you had to turn around shirtless, and they got a shot at your back, like okay. as hard as they could. And man, that made you really play. Yeah, a little, a little risk, a little risk at the end. We're risk. in the wrong house for that. Let me just tell you, I don't win that battle either. So you so were born. You were. What are we doing? You're going to hit a ping pong ball with me, okay? Just <laughs> <turn> around. <laughs> so you were born in the islands. I was raised in the Caribbean. I actually, my parents, I think, oversimplifying it, they had, they had, I think, they had a fling in the late, like in '69, and I was born in California, and then. Um, I, but then eventually I made my way down my fault, my biological father's from Trinidad. And then I ended up down in the Caribbean and being raised in St. Thomas. And then my junior year, I was moved to St. Petersburg right by Tampa because I was just going nowhere. You know, you grew up on an Island and you're sort of like, well, <laughs> I'm working a gift shop. I hate high. Maybe I'll get through high school. Like I was totally 
doing that. And I was six foot three at 15. And so, you know, all kinds of, you can find all kinds of trouble when you look 20 and like you're a girl. And so my mother was like, we're taking you. And I went to, have you ever heard of uh, Keswick Christian school? Yeah. They put me there from St. Pete. I mean, uh, from St. Thomas. And actually it was like the best thing that ever happened. That's how I got involved in sports. And I went into, that's how I went to Florida state and it was a whole thing. Wow. So what was, what was your, what was your freshman year like at Florida state? And then by the way, I'm just doing this guilty, like to know how similar it was to mine. Um, the under and over on me was probably that I wasn't going to cut it and I wasn't going to make it like when I went to two days for volleyball. Cause you have to remember I was really green. I was big and sort of like obedient as far as like an athlete, like tell me to do something, I'll do it. But I think my teammates, I came in with seven other girls on a 12 person team. So there's eight freshmen. And so I think my teammates were like, this chick is never going to make it. And, uh, yeah. And it wasn't that easy. And then I kind of, and I had to play because we had so few people. So it was like, you have to play. And I was like, I have to play. I remember the first game was actually against Penn state at Florida in Gainesville. And I was like, I just didn't want to get in the way or make a mistake. I swear to God, like I wasn't one of these people that my whole life I was like, I'm going to go to division one and I'm going to play when I called home and to St. Thomas and was like, I'm going to school on a scholarship. My friends were like, for what? Like, let's see academic. Oh uh, yeah. No. Okay. Uh, what else? Like, what are you going to school for? Like, this is so, I'm going to grab my coffee real quick. Okay. This is so different than the Gabby Reese that like, that we all grew up knowing like, the one that like was told to us was like, like, especially anyone that played sports was like, this is what you get when you put your nose to the grindstone and you achieve, like it was you and Dion, you and Dion were on like the cover of something. I remember my dad was on his porch and he showed it to me and he was like, my dad t- always takes the opposite of whatever you say. My dad takes the opposite and runs it the other way. So like, like example, <laughs> a, example, uh, 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 prime time. Right. Yeah. So, I would say as a kid what I thought my dad would want to hear. So he has the primetime jacket and the hair, and I immediately think my dad doesn't like showboats. And so I would say, I would say, I just wish he'd, uh, I just wish he'd uh, not celebrate so much and just play the game, right, Dad? And my dad would go, no, buddy, you're missing it. Like what this does is this is running a flag up to all the racists. He's there. They don't want him to be himself. He should be himself. He's a young black kid from South Florida who's who's achieving fame and money that no one knows. And he is just trying to be himself. They'll let Wade Boggs be himself. Why won't you let Dion be himself? And I'm like, Jesus Christ, dad, I thought you were going to say the opposite. Well, you're not, you know, it's interesting. I will say this. Um, what was so, and is so beautiful about Dion, quite frankly, is, you know, he did grow up in a rough way with his dad having addiction issues and things like that. Um, he was so highly calculated. And when he, was drafted to the Falcons and got paid well. He said to me, Gabby, there is going to be a lot of athletes that go after me and for a lot less money. And they have, and you know, more talent and everything that, and better than me, he goes, but I give people what they want, which also is a show. So there was something always really, for me, really cool about knowing him in school. Cause even at that age, he understood exactly what he was doing. And the important part was he delivered when it mattered, right? So it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do all the, we put, you know, all sizzle, no steak. It was like, okay, the sizzle is going to, you know, make the opportunity for me. And also the kids responded. We do say no to drug talks. Remember those like in the late eighties, go to like God be high school or whatever. And Dion would, 
I didn't have a car. He did have a car somehow. And uh, anyway. and uh, he picked me up and it was like, hey, good morning, whatever. And then right before we got out of the car, he would turn into prime time. And this was for the like the kids would be like, this is my guy. Like I yeah. relate to this guy. And so I, I watched that very carefully because what I, what I saw was a couple things. And also if you talk to his teammates, his teammates always loved him. That was really important, right? Like who cares if the outside world's like, uh, if your teammates love you, that's the real truth. Right. And so he was very generous, worked hard, but also in the moment you, if you're going to mouth off, you better deliver. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's all I do is mouth off and don't deliver. <laughs> <laughs> but so he he was very uh, very unique. I I think I learned. Uh, obviously, it's so interesting. Like as a female, there, there's so many things. It's like I don't want to say you can't get away with, but unless you're a female comedian, they're the only ones, right? Like bravado and like kind of that harshness that you, we all have that inner voice, but you can't really. People don't want to hear that from like me. You know, they just, they don't like after a while, you'd be like, Ooh, Gab, you know? So I think, um, you, you know, the whole thing about like, Oh, great. You know, this is what hard work and grindstone that that is actually a true message. I just was very, I was a late bloomer. I was yeah. such a late bloomer. By the time I got into college though, I was like, okay. And I worked, you know, I busted my ass and, um, you know, it was a certain, you have to put up numbers and you gotta, you gotta show up. But I was such a late bloomer. No, and th- I think that people don't realize that part really as much. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. How how long were you at Florida State? I went. I played all four years. I paid. You played to, all four. Yeah, I paid to play after my sophomore year. It's not like football or baseball. We're like, where are you going to go? Like, oh, volleyball. There's nowhere to go, you know. And so I was started modeling after my freshman year. So after my sophomore competing season, I paid to play. I gave up my scholarship so NCAA couldn't bust my chops to make money. And like, there was a whole nuance thing going on. Yeah. So I paid to play. Yeah. Oh, that's smart. And so what was it like going from, I, I, I want to put a baseline of where these questions are coming from. And it's, and okay. it is that, so when I, and I'm, you probably don't know this, but when I was in at Florida state, Rolling Stone magazine wrote an article about me calling me the number one party animal in the country. Okay. And, it, and it changed my life immediately. It all of a sudden I did like everyone came to the school to interview me. I was probably one of the most famous people at the school and it gave me the confidence to move to New York to start doing stand-up. Oliver Stone option the rest of my life. It was like how, a really how did that happen though? Like how did you get how did they drill down and find you and like tell me how that happened? So I uh Rolling Stone wanted to write an article about Florida State, which at the time was the number one party school in the country. Right. And so they were simply looking for someone to hang out with. So they called the president of the school, Fred Maglione, who I grew up with. They called the president of IFC or you, you, you know, they called Eric Pogue. They called all my friends, literally five friends and said, Hey, we need someone to stay with. All five friends thought it was me playing a prank on them. And so they gave my phone number. He called me, this guy, Eric Hedegaard. And I was in the middle of a bong hit and he was like, Oh my God, this is the guy. This is perfect. Yeah. So he stayed with me for a week and I just ended up, it's like, you know, I had a, a guy writing an article. So I partied pretty hard with him. Probably harder than I normally would. And so then at the end, they decided to shift the article and not make it so much about the school, which is a broad subject. It's just dialed into a story about this kid who spent six and a half years in college and is the number one party animal in the country. Did you have it in your mind about comedy? 
then? No, no. So I always knew I was funny, and I always knew that like I was the guy that would, whenever uh, like uh, any type of um, uh, philanthropy would come up, and we needed to write a song or sing a song, or I would always write the song. I would always perform it. I'd always do the dance. I'd always choreograph it. Choreograph it. I'd always come up with the play or the sketch, but I I didn't know that you could do comedy. I just didn't know it. And so I said in an, in the article, I said I. He said, "What do you want to do?" We were eating pizza across the street from Yanni's, and I said, "I wish I could just do stand up." And I just said that. And then one morning, one morning show, put a comedy night together in Tallahassee. I tried comedy for the first time, and then was like, "I'm in love with it." It's it's I equivalent it to very briefly. Uh, Guy I grew up with played professional baseball. And as a kid, all growing up, my dad would say, now Brad Radke is a natural talent. Like that is a, like you can't deny that. And I remember one time being frustrated going, why don't you say that about me? And my dad was very candid. He was like, buddy, you work hard and you're good, but you're not that. You can see it. When someone's naturally gifted, it, they don't think about it. It's what they do. Yeah. And so I called my dad from that first time doing stand up. I did 30 minutes after four comedians who were nationally touring comedians. And I called my dad and I said, I found my Brad Radke thing. Like I'm, it's comedy. And, and what did, like, did your parents go like, oh yeah, that makes sense? No, 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 no. Well, I, they did, at that point, they kind of did because of the Rolling Stone article, kind of fucked up my life a little bit. Like Florida State hated me. They didn't okay. want to graduate me. Yeah. And so at that point, my dad's like, I guess, if, if this is what you want to do, go to New York and pursue it. And so, so yeah, so I moved to New York and, and it was just one of those things that I very quickly picked up and was in love with. It, I think it's the other thing is that you're, if you're absolutely in love with something, you don't have to work at it. So, yeah. well, but, that's what so, you said though. It's like you are, then you are a natural in there because people don't show up. It's like when they even talk about Chappelle, like who, like, okay, really, you can just go as a teenager and get on and sort of do it. That means that's what you're doing. Like, yeah. And then it doesn't mean you're not going to work on your craft or bust your ass and have hard. Because by the way, I think stand-up comedy from outside view, besides maybe singing, is the, it, but comedy even more, it's like, it's the, I think it's be the scariest thing that you're not going to die at that you could do as a job, right? Like there's other jobs where the ramifications could be death. Yeah. Okay. That'd be scarier. But let's say something where you're just going to show up and you're not going to die, but it is the scariest thing. I yeah. Think. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't, I, 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 miss, I miss it terribly right now. But my point is, is I had what I feel like a handful of people get uh, when they go to Florida state an experience of what it's like to be famous on campus mm. uh, and to have people looking at you and staring at you whenever no one does that to anyone there. But then all of a sudden you're eating a sub uh, a subway sandwich and everyone's staring at you, and so I'm I feel like I've never gotten to talk to anyone about this because athletes can't really wrap their head around it. But you were literally like famous beyond sports. You were you were a model when you were there, and then went on to like I, your career is such a fucking enigma. It's like it's like no like you really were one of the first pioneers in like being a lifestyle brand before that was ever a lifestyle brand in a weird way. A bird. It's called the hustle, my friend. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's a hustle. Like yeah. I didn't have anyone to lean on. I had to pull it. I had to be clear about like, what was I doing? And even when I was modeling, right. I had this accountant. <clears throat> I'll never forget. And he said to me, he said, 
why are you doing the volleyball thing? Like you're working right now, you're making money, get to New York. And, and, and I even knew then, and I don't know why. And I was, I was doing well enough. I understood that I was going to, there was going to be limitations, probably my size being one of them. And, um, and also I knew how much I really love volleyball. And, and I like the idea of this. It's like, I could liken it to you working on a joke. If I tried hard and practiced, I could be better regardless of whether people like me or not. Yeah. I could be better. And that was in my, in char- and I was in charge of that. And when you model, it's like, oh, you're good. You're big. You're too small. You're too dark. You're too light. Oh shit. Okay. I can't do anything about that. So I love this idea of like working hard and improving and nobody could say, well, mm, it's like, no, that's on me. And also I liked, I've said this a lot. It felt like an honest day's work. Like when you go to practice and you bust your ass and you, and I, I dug being on a team, um, all that. So, and I told him then I said, uh, yeah, no, I think this is the way to go. And I remember having agents even in New York. And when I graduated college and then I was going to, I was a I turned pro, I was trying to pull these two things together and nobody was getting it. I'm like, no, it's like, it's something else. And so I think it's, it was the hustle. It was, I had to pull it. You know, this, if you live in New York and you're starving and you're doing stand up, you're going to be funny. <laughs> right. You're a lot funnier when you need to be funny than when you want to be funny. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I'm saying. And so yeah. I think I viewed it like that. And, and I had a thing inside. It was so brilliant. It was so brilliant because there was, you were, I, I don't know the right way to say this, but you were, you, I think from any kid from Florida, like you, you have, Every kid my age from Florida that watched you grow up was like, you were, you're right. You, you weren't just a model. And if you're just a model, then you're just a model. You were this multi-talented, multi-hyphenated like individual who was like pro volleyball. Oh, oh, she also models like that. Like most people hang their hat on that. And Mm -hmm. it's not, there's nothing wrong with modeling, but it's just such a, such an empty hat ring it's like being a TV host. I've always said it was like being a stripper. Like it's a lot of fun and it's good money, but you don't get anything from it at the end of the day. You just go to bed. Right. And so it was so wise because I, so many people would have folded in that decision-making process and been like, you're right. Money's paying modeling. Let's just move to New York. I want to be famous. Can you yeah. get me on MTV? As opposed to, Oh no, no, I got my eye on a prize and I see bigger things. And this is stuff I'll do also. Well, do you know, it's like that unknown. It's like for an entrepreneur or of any person who has sort of like, they think they have a, some kind of talent or a calling is I do think we get something in our stomach that, and I try to remember this and maybe you feel this way with your own kids. My kids know things about themselves and their life that I don't know yet. And I can't see as their parent. And I have to sometimes trust them. Oh, and it, I'm not and good it's at that. scary, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. Imagine yeah. if you said to your dad, I'm going to New York and it would be stand up. Something in your parents had to be like, uh, because that's the thing. I had ideas about what I was feeling and seeing about my own life that nobody could understand yet. And so I think that that's really like an important thing, whether you're a friend to somebody or you have a kid that's like, no, it's this thing. And it wasn't like I was laying on my ass and saying, oh, I was, I'm a worker. So the other side of that was like, I was doing it, you know, the it, whatever the it was. What did your days look like? in your senior year at Florida state, what did your days look like? Were you literally like, I'm just curious, like a full day. Cause I know the athletes, I know the athletes, the football players had like 
had like these blocks. Their days were written for them. What was your, what did your day look like your senior year? If you can remember. I mean, it's all the same. It's like, you go, um, you've got your, um, preseason cause we're, you know, since we, our season starts in August. So we're there before everybody, you know, like with the football team, you know, they're puking in garbage cans as we're running by in like the track or something. You see these guys, you know, 250 pound guys throwing up in the garbage cans. Cause it's, you know, 97 degrees out and everybody's doing their two days. And, you know, obviously it gets easier when you're older as a freshman, you're just like, Oh, I don't know about this amount of work. And then as senior, you're just like, Oh, I know what this is about. You get through that. And, um, and then you start your season in classes and you're doing the same stuff. Every single person we used to have to sign in. So my freshman and like sophomore year, do you remember that biology freshman class that everyone had in the big hall? Yeah. Like with the, I don't know, like a thousand people, literally yeah. they taught on the projector for us. We had to sign in. Cause if you cut, you weren't playing. Oh my God. We just, so you had to go to class. My coach was not fucking around. Like my coach said to me, so my, after my freshman year, we went to like a NCAA and we got our asses handed to us to te- by Texas. And we were flying back and we were in Atlanta. Cause you always stopped in Atlanta before you got all actually all the way home. And while we were in there, Cecile would pull each player and like they review the season and review their academics and whatever. And so she pulls me over and I was, I've always had like natural chemistry with her. Like I'm still friends with her today and she really impacted me in a real way. But she said to me, hello. Okay. So dear, um, let's talk about this and that. And then she goes, so let's talk about, I hear you're not going to your math class. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And she's kind of a scary lady, you know, like tough. And I was like, yeah, she goes, so, um, do I need to get a new middle blocker? Or are you going to take care of that? And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I got it coach. And she's like, good talk, dear. Thank you. Okay. Boom. You're out. So <laughs> like they are watching you and maybe other athletes had different, but volleyball, they're like, no, you're going to class. So my senior year, you're going to class. And I had already been working and been in the real world. So I was like really in a weird space. I bought a house at, um, uh, what's the place behind the townhomes, Indian village. <clears throat> you lived in Indian Village? I did. So I bought a house there. I lived in Indian Village. <laughs> I bet. You'd have to be the number one party person to be in Indian Village, right? So <laughs> I bought a place there when I was 19. And because I was like being mature, you know, like whatever. And um, so it was like my senior year. And I was also young. I was uh, I, I was done at 20. I went into college at 17. And so I was there getting it done. But in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going into the real world now, but I had been in the real world. So a lot of my teammates, when they were going off and stuff, I was done with that already. Did you fall in love in college at all? Did I fall in love? A couple times. I had, I dated a guy, unfortunately, actually who committed suicide, Terry Warren, who played for Florida State. He was a linebacker. And uh, I'd say, I don't know, it was like in the last three or four years. uh, And his brother also played there. So, um, I, I dated Terry Warren. I, oh, this is, I should, oh, fuck it. I can say it. So we used to joke about athletes from different sports. Like you kind of go like, what's a track athlete? What are the, I don't think I ever dated a baseball guy, but it was like, oh, a tennis player, swimmer, you know? And then I had a boyfriend my last two years of college there who I'm still friends with that I'm in economics class. And he would like, he dated one of my teammates and like, whatever. I think he was the most kind of like whatever about who, what I was doing. And he's a really nice person. So I ended up dating him for a couple of years. Juan Carlos. Really? Was, was, that, was that important in like 
meeting a guy was that they couldn't be enamored with you? Yeah. And I don't put out that vibe. I'm not a girl who's like, kiss the ring. You know, I'm like pretty much like here, you know, you know, and yeah, yeah. And I think my size and everything always made it like it was a pretty quick neutralizer on everything. You know, like when you're in sports and stuff, you have your teammates who are like, Oh, you're so special. You know, like you're not yeah. getting all crazy about yourself. Yeah. See, I think, I think I grew up so, I grew up so badly wanting some sort of acknowledgement for anything. That Why this, is that? I have no fucking idea. You have a lot of siblings? No, two, two sisters. Did you just want someone to go like, Bert, you're doing great. I guess, I guess I wanted some, like, yeah, still to this day, I'm at, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it now. This is going to sound really shallow, but if we're telling secrets, yeah. um, I have never been more comfortable in my life since uh uh what what you could call is um is uh i guess industry approval or or the fact that you're selling theaters and you and your specials have done well and you're getting offers like i i i actually felt myself calm down and go like i don't need all these things i thought i needed i don't need like i and you know it's interesting too for someone like you and it, again it's like a lot of other industries you're around a lot of smart, talented people, other comedians, right? They're yeah. brilliant. And then one goes up and you go up and another one goes behind you. Then I think when you're around that so much also, you also start to go, wait a second, there's kind of room for a lot of us. And I do it really different than the guy over there. And I'm going to actually trust that. Like, that's my thing. And I'm going to appreciate like their thing, but I don't need to emulate, compare, or try to copy. And so I think also when you learn to go, what's Bert about? What is, what does he want to talk about? What's he doing? I don't know. That's a really interesting thing when you, when you get into that space too, where um, you can celebrate and you, and, and I think it's really important to be around badass people a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And I, I, I heard that look at, if you feel like you're a loser, look who you're surrounding yourself by. I remember, you know, I, I've talked about this. I talked about this on Joe's podcast the other day. It's, I almost got emotional about it. Um, but, uh, you know, I had, a really, I had a really hard time making friends as an adult um, because I'd had a, a relationship with another comedian that went sour really bad and very publicly. And it was very, like, abusive in a way that just wasn't, it wasn't fair at all. And so I kind of blocked off. And uh, Joe came up to me one night and with a shot and a beer I was getting ready to go on stage I was pretty high and he was like hey man you're a great guy I was like yeah he was like no you're a really great guy and I'm you know I love you man I think you, I want to be your friend and I was like yeah and he was like no I think you're not listening to me like we're all really trying hard to be your friend and you're not letting us and I was like no I got it and he goes no 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 you don't you got to return our phone calls you got to like when we say we want to hang out we want we're not, we're not trying to get anything from you we just want to be your friend it was like one of those moments where I was like, whoa, what the fuck? And at that moment, I started going, I just would look at a guy like Joe or, or even, you know, Tom, who, Tom Segura, who's like my best friend, who's so confident, so, so confident in so many ways that I say to him all the time, you can go somewhere and just not speak and then, and you can leave happy. And he's like, yeah, I don't need to talk. I'm like, I'm the fucking exact opposite. I need to speak the entire fucking time. But it was like looking at guys. And then I remember going like, I want to be around guys that are more successful than me. I want to be the least successful person 
around my friends. I don't want to be the most successful person. And I'm telling you, I just, just even if you just say like the three people that probably changed my life most, Joe, Tom, and Bill Burr, just them saying, get away from television, focus on your podcast, stick and stand up, get back on the road, do your hour special. Like the uh, guidance they've given me is, so yeah, I agree with that. It's it's man stuff. I I see it living. So, so you, okay. Comedians. I see I'm around a lot of male athletes and you, and when you're a young athlete or a young man, it's like, Hey, look over here. I'm over here. I'm here. I'm first. I'm first. I'm racing. I'm going, I'm number one. I'm the best. I'm all this. And then you watch men as they become manly and more still and sure. It's like the young guy comes and they're like, go ahead. You're first. You win. And conversely, like with attention, like I think once you kind of realize or you settle in to your trip, you're like, okay, it's awesome. That guy over there, he's great. You know, and, and just kind of feeling good about where you are. But the other side of that is, is also probably relationships. Like you're married, you have daughters, you have love. I think all of that makes us feel pretty good too. I think, yeah, I think I, I got really lucky in that I have a really regular, like I, the compliment I get, I don't know if it's a compliment, but the compliment I get from comics the most is, man, I'd love to do this. Like you're like a regular dad and you have a career. And I was like, and I, I don't, I didn't plan it that way, but I think I, I think in college I was like, if girls could know what a great dad I'll be, they'd really want to date me. <laughs> Mid-roll reads. Mid-roll reads. What are they? These are mid-roll reads. Listen, there are things we look back at and think, how did I get that so wrong? All the women in my life that I had met before Leanne, how did I get it so wrong? Those jean jackets, jean shorts combos, how did I get it so wrong? Listen, I at one point wore multiple polos with the collar up. How did I get it so wrong? We're always going to get things wrong. That's just life. But there's also things we can get right on the first try, like shopping for life insurance. That's where Policy Genius comes in. Policy Genius makes finding the right life insurance insurance a breeze. In minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. You can save $1,500 or more by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape for free. And Policy Genius doesn't stop at just making life insurance easy. They also can help you find the right home, auto, and or disability insurance. I've got to get disability insurance. Not now that I'm super healthy, but whatever. So even if you look back on your triple denim days in distress, you'll never be distressed about life insurance with Policy Genius. In just a few minutes, you can find the best price and apply at policygenius.com. We're all going to get things wrong from time to time. Give me a kiss on the cheek. But at least we can get life insurance. Oh, right. With Policy Genius. That's another thing I got right. I would like to thank our sponsors at Whoop. We are living in some crazy times right now. And anxiety is at an all-time high, especially if you're me and in my house. With all the self-quarantining to combat that this coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic, we're all stressed. And when you're stressed, you don't sleep well and your immune system shuts down and weakens and becomes more prone to getting sick. And the best natural way to boost our immune system is through great sleep. And right now, it couldn't be more important to have a product like the Whoop Fitness Tracker. Whoop is the best in the class when it comes to sleep sleep tracking, and it even lets you know when you should be going to bed based on how strenuous your day was. When we're stressed more than normal, we tend to need more sleep as a result. And Whoop 
gives the insight and feedback to help make sleep performance habits better. Anyway, I lost my whoop. I said that when I was with Tom the other day and whoop hit me up and they're just like, yo, you need a new whoop. I was like, fuck yes. And I have a new whoop coming to me right now. And I am so ready to track my sleep because let me tell you something. Your boy is getting tons of sleep right now, but I don't feel it because I wake up and I don't have my whoop to look on my phone and see how my sleep's being, being tracked. And if you're stuck at home training, whoop has a built-in strain coach feature that actually sets exertion goals so you can optimally work out so you're not losing out on your fitness during this self-quarantine. Make the best out of this switch situation. Optimize your sleep and performance with Whoop. Sleep better with personalized insights and strengthen your immune system. Train optimally and don't get out of shape while you're stuck at home. For my listeners right now, Whoop is offering 15% off with the code BERT at checkout. Go to Whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com and enter the code BERT at checkout. To save 15% off, sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. Optimize your performance with Whoop. But you know what's so funny? So Chelsea Handler said to me once, she said, uh, okay, so you like you and Laird, like Laird and I will be together. I mean, I know you've been with your wife a long time. I think I will be with Laird at the end of the year, like 25 years. Like that's pretty long. Yeah. And she said to me a few years ago, she's like, okay, so, but like, really you're together, like, cause of the family and the kids, right? Like, that's the thing. No, because she's, I think it's like people trying to understand. Yeah. People, yeah. It, that makes sense. How does it work? And yeah. like, why does it work? And when it's not working, is that what makes you stay together and all that stuff? Right. And I was like, yeah, no, like I, I, I like Laird and my, I'm very well aware my kids are going to go off and have their own life and we're going to be quote stuck together. So like, what does that look like? But I think when you say, oh, if she knew what a great dad I'd be, it's actually total bullshit because I think if you have any sense of like wanting to have a semblance of like happiness in your own life, you you actually just want to have a good partner too. Yeah. I mean, like women are just going, well, he's a dick, but he's a great dad. So I'll stay. It's like, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like also it's, you're obviously bringing it to the table. I think, I, I think I, I got very lucky. I, I got very lucky only because. She is extremely patient. I mean, I, I look at, uh, I mean, I, I literally could spend, I could spend four hours talk to you, talking to you about your husband. He's one of the most fascinating individuals in the world. He really is one of those guys that I don't, I won't speak for all men, but I will say I've watched videos of him and said, how do I find that in me? I mean, like the, he's just a fascinating fucking dude other than his ankle, but his ankle, right? My God. I talked to Joe. Every time his name comes up, the first thing I say to Joe is that fucking ankle. Like that is that ankle. You get that ankle when you're that man. I say to Larry, like, cause I find they're very attractive, you know, like handsome and everything. And I'm like, I love you. Okay. He's a fucking, he's movie star. Good looks. Yeah. But I'm like, don't touch me with your feet. Just don't touch me. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. Like when we're in bed, I'm like, don't. Don't touch me. <laughs> with Eddie Murphy or whatever. I don't remember the movie. No, no, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was. Oh shit! It was, um, God, what was the movie where she had hammer toes? Yeah, not boomerang. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, boomerang, I, boomerang, I, boomerang. You're right. And so I say to her, like, I'm like, oh yeah, I love you. You know, like hug me, do whatever. Don't, don't, don't touch me. The feet are incredible, but that's a guy who's been tough on his body and. Yeah. And um, I will say this, 
if you can be great at your standup and be and show up for your real life, this is something that I, I, I find really interesting because I know a lot of people who are good at a lot of things, you know, like they're exceptional, but their whole rest of their life is sort of out of whack. And I actually think if you said to me, oh, the brilliance of Laird, um, somehow he has simultaneously a singular focus and he is showing up for his family. Like he is like in a real way. And I'm like, man, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how he does it. I, so, I, I mean, I, I, I feel like I know you guys very well just from, I mean, I, aside from like the fact that I'm curious always about, and I, I want to talk to you about the, the heat and ice. And, I, and you guys are one of the first people I ever saw do that, let alone my wife is obsessed with this thing called aqua jogging. But oh. like water workouts, water yeah. workouts for us growing up in Florida, I love water workouts and then but more importantly you guys you know have raised like three really it seems very well-rounded individuals i i'm gonna be honest like if you said we're getting report cards you know i think on the parenting side you're always you don't know what your grade is and i i think that that's the thing that keeps you in check because you you're i mean okay like the fact that and I actually haven't pushed my kids really into sports. My our, yeah. my oldest daughter, who is who I'm her I'm her extra mom, her bonus mom. She was four months old when I met Laird. She's a she's an adult. She's she's 25. I've been you know in her life. She's doing well. She lives in um, Alabama. But the the ones at home. So my 16 year old um, plays tennis, and my 12 year old who is physically like is built for volleyball. I, when I say to you that my one kid who's built for volleyball but we don't push them in any sports because I, I know from experience that you have to really love it. It'd be like stand up where, because there's so many times that are hard that you have to like love that suck part or it's not really for you. And I'm not their coach, right? Like I'm their mom. And so I'm trying to talk about stuff like kindness and honesty and hard work, not like, you know, how's your backhand? You know, it's like, that's for your coach. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like trying, but inside I so want to project and guide them like I well you look good like you'd be good at that and like do all that how do you stop I I don't do it because I just that's when you sort of go hey man this kid has a path they have a destiny be the best thing we could do is be a good example and by the way your kids are going to rebel against you also so like if Laird and I are like rah all the time with like activities sometimes they look at us and they're just like you guys are like crazy and so it's just kind of rolling with that and trying to show up and love them. But the parent thing, I always feel like I'm somewhere between like a C minus once in a while I'll show up and I'll hit like a target and I'll be like, that was actually worked out pretty good. But it, I feel like that's an ongoing unknown. I've had a really rough time. Uh, not, not uh, getting, not being overbearing when it comes to sports with my daughters, my oldest, has one of the most beautiful swings. Uh, like, no, 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 uh, softball. Oh, softball. And, and then she just gave it up, and my and I was like for a long time, and then I was like, ugh. And then she picked it up in in high school for whatever reason. And then this season, you know, obviously it was cut short. But she had the highest batting average on the team, and I was like, as a sophomore, and I'm just sitting there going like, and then and then my youngest is this just, I mean, the kid. <laughs> It's arguable how many brain cells the kid has, but man, her body, she can, 
she is physically just one of those people that doesn't think twice about things. Mm-hmm. I remember one time when she was playing softball, she got up and started to bat left-handed and she's a right-hander and the coach is like, I the wrong side of the, but that's who this kid is, yeah. is everyone's going wrong side of the plate, wrong side of the plate crack. And you're just yeah. like, never done it before. But, um, but you and Laird are, I mean, are literally such physical human beings that the fact that you haven't kind of browbeat them into sports is astounding. But listen, Bert, it's like you knowing like the most well-known, whatever performers, but if they're miserable human beings. So again, I'm going to go back to like, I'm their, I'm their mom. And I, my job as their mom is to like love them and, and, and give them a sense of right and wrong, but try to also live that. And, you know, like that's my job. And it'd be, because I, I also think just even coming from where I came from, which was the fact that I'm here and I've been on the path that I've been on, nobody could have browbeat me or designed. Yeah. 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 That that makes sense now a little bit talking to you. Right. So I kind of go, listen, there is a path that these, even though they are my children, they are individual people. And it's like, they have a path and I don't know what that is. And that makes me nervous. And I want them to be happy and successful and all that bullshit that we put on it. But the fact of the matter is I know a lot of people who are in the world's terms successful. They have money, they have attention, they have whatever. And they're still not happy people. And a lot of the success comes from lack of happiness. I know that too, right? Like what's the drive? The drive is fear, insecurity, misery. That's cool. But if I can be their parent and love them and sort of help them, all I'm trying to do is get them to like find their trip. That's what I'm into. Like, yeah. because we got to get up and go to work every day. And if you have your way of expressing yourself, that feels pretty good. So I, and I know a lot of people that have won everything there is to win and they're not happy. And by the way, there's a shelf life on that. So even if you go to the top of the mountain and you're done at whatever age, unless you are guys like Laird, um, who are like, what do you want to do? So I'm trying to like, remember that, but it's hard. I, sometimes I go, Ooh, I wish I'd been more forceful on them. Well, it's, it's really fascinating to know this side of you because I, I think, you know, it's like, well, I don't 30, probably 30 years that I've known of who you, who you are. That, I and to say 33 years ago. Yeah, 33 years I've known of you and followed your career. So, but to know this side of you that is pretty much, this is the bad analogy, but a very hippie-esque look to it of like, find your trip, find what you makes you happy. Like, and 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 to know that you kind of just showed up to volleyball, like, I'm, I don't want to, like, that's so who I am is like, I don't want to fuck up. I don't want to get in the way. Sorry. I'm like, and I'm big, right? Like take up room and stuff. And, and the whole thing of being big is like, take up space, like get in everyone's face. And you know, you have to learn that. That's another really valuable lesson. Like for a girl, like, no, don't apologize. Take, take space, space, you know, let's go. And so I, I did learn that. And that was an ongoing thing, but you know, listen, I'm a hyperlinear like person. And that's the thing I'm always fighting against is I'm always fighting against, you know, like putting my way on everybody else around me. My youngest daughter is the most like me and, um, we're actually born like five days apart, but my middle daughter is like way more like creative and intuitive. And I'm always like trying to teach her about order and like her. And it's, she's like, ha ha. No. So, um, 
I don't know. Like I have been, uh, parenting has been the greatest lesson for me. I'd say sport gave me that education of like, okay, well, do you really want to do it? You know, like lose, 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 win, 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 lose, like whatever it is, um, dealing with personality, stuff like that. And then you start to realize like, yo, I just want to find something that I work hard at and, um, I can be proud of myself mm-hmm. and attention people. You're going to get it and you're not going to get it. There's been plenty of times in my life where like it's kind of happening and there's plenty of times where I'm just a very tall blonde woman moving through the world. And so like, that's the other thing. I had this talk with Danica Patrick. Um, she dates Aaron Rodgers, right? Everywhere Aaron Rodgers goes, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers pretty much right now in his life. Danica can kind of slip around and she can be both. She, you could be like, oh, Danica Patrick, or it's just like this kind of mighty girl. And I said, how do you feel about that? And she's like, totally fine. And I understand that. And that's such an, like, that's healthy. Like you could go from your show and people come to pay and to see you and they're like, uh, but you could go to the market and you're just some dude who's like buying, you know, bread or whatever. And I think that that for me, once you start to realize like, oh, the outside thing, I'm not in charge of that, um, kind of liberates you from even worrying about it. Did you move to New York straight out of Florida state? No, I'm, I actually, I lived in New York when I was in Tallahassee, both back like six months, six months kind of thing. Then I moved to Miami. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's and right. Okay. The beach volleyball in Miami. I hadn't played beach volleyball. And after college, I was like, what does this mean? Is this what I'm doing now? Like I'm playing, I'm going to be a model now. And so I, was, I, I never played beach volleyball. And after a year and a half or so of being there, I was playing with a girl named Barbara Bierman who had like a real grown up job. She was older. She was a good player, but she was like an adult. And she said to me, you should move to, you should move to California and try to be a professional. And I was like, okay. And I did. Just moved to California. How old were you? I was 22. <gasps> so where did you, where did you move in California? I moved, my first place I ever lived was Marina Del Rey. Well, actually Culver City. I lived with a friend of mine, Dan Vrabalovich, who was a volleyball player. Then I found my own place I'm in Marina Del Rey, which like became my office. And what happened was the four person tour opened up that same year. And so I got drafted and put on a team. And that game was really good for me because it was very close to how indoor the pace and everything of indoor. So that got me going. And and the rest, I went from there. It was like, I got my Nike deal right then. I did like everything just went right after that. Did you have a manager helping you guide your way? Did you have an agent or was it, was it you with like a legal pad? No, that's me now for the last eight years. I had a guy who brought me my Nike deal. Then I started working with a manager who rejiggered my Nike deal. And I worked with her for about 20 years. Um, And then when I met Laird in 95, when I was 25, she worked with both of us. And then about eight eight years ago, I do everything myself now. And we have a lawyer and that's it. Wow. Because I just sort of went, we we know what we want to do. Yeah. And, um, and it, I have no problem picking up the phone and be like, Hey, this, you know, it's me and we'd like to, can we even talk about it? And it's amazing to never be afraid to like get involved. How come you never, how, were you ever curious about making the move to like movie star? Well, first of all, I'm realistic. Um, I'm, I am probably real, unless I was so passionate about acting and really naturally a talent. I, uh, I'm too tall. When all leading men are like here. But did, but did like, it's such a natural fit, you know, like, but it seemed to me like, like I just, I guess maybe. 
a lot of waiting around. I love sports. I love like, like dirty, you know, training and all that. And for me, I really appreciate that, but that is a brutal gig waiting around and then like trying to get parts and it's all that. I love the idea of like, let's train, let's work, let's sweat. Let's talk about sports. I love interviewing athletes and being like, how are you doing what you're doing and why? And like, how'd you get up again for the 50th time? Like for me, that stuff turns me on way more than like, you know. It's so funny. I've always wondered if you partied, but I guess now I already know the answer because as someone who's focused on sports, there's no room for it. There there was room, except the, the great thing is, from 13 to 15, growing up in St. Thomas, I got it all out then. When rum is cheaper than soda and you have carnival once a year and you look a lot older, nobody's IDing you. Um, you can start early and end early. So then by the time I went to college, I was kind of through it. But also I, I grew up in a kind of loosey-goosey environment. And I was like, huh, I don't know how good that's working out. You know, like I had some really interesting adults around me where I was like, yo, I don't know. I don't think that story doesn't, I don't know what that's the ending on that story. <laughs> I don't know. And then, and Laird used to drink until about 12 years ago. You know, yeah, you, you said, you said one time, you've, you've said two things that I say, that I say to myself, I hear myself say, okay. Any, number one, if anyone, yesterday, my wife goes, my wife's been on this huge health kick, lost like 16 pounds. And yesterday she goes, I just want a bagel. And I said, do you know, I said the Gabby Reese statement that I heard you say one time, I said it out loud. I say it in my head, anytime anyone says a bagel, do you know what it is? What? Bagel's not food. Bagel is not food, bro. Bagel's fun. Don't tell the New Yorkers though. <laughs> you told your daughters one time, I just want to raise, I, I don't even know where I heard this, but you go, I just want to raise my daughters and let them know a bagel's not food. <laughs> Eat it, but it's not food. Like, just enjoy it, but like, let's know the difference. You know, there's <laughs> micronutrients in that shit, but it's fun. Yeah, and the other one, the other one you said that is I, that I can visualize, and I don't know. I, you know, like I said, I've watched a lot of videos of of I watched a lot of videos of Laird, a lot of videos of you, and a lot of videos of you together. Was you said it was like he used to drink. 12 beers a night. And then just one day he stopped and never did again. Yeah. And you were, yeah. And I was always like fascinated about that. Cause I feel like that is, you know, like I, I haven't drank in uh, like 29 days, but I just, but it's not, but it's not even a big deal. Like that's the crazy thing is like, I just came here and I knew that this is what I was doing as I was hanging with my family. And it didn't make sense to be drinking with them. I wanted to be with them and present and I wanted to work out. And I, you know, there's also a virus going around. I want to make sure my immune system's up. And so like a bunch of things went into that. But I think of what of you saying that I, I almost can remember where Laird was in the video was like by this big, uh, big uh, island in a kitchen. And you were like, hey, you drink 12 beers a night. And then he just stopped. Mm-hmm. I always wondered about that time in your lives when partying was around and, and what, what that was like. I, I wish it was partying. Like when I see guys like you or Joe, whatever, it looks like, you know how to have fun. Right. Yeah. The guy is going to get up at five in the morning and train himself to death. And, um, he's going to be in bed by nine 30, but he's going to actually, he drank beer originally. And then Bill Romanowski told him that if the best thing, the healthiest thing you could drink is Pinot Noir because it has less sulfates. 
And uh, fighting Pinot Noir, by the way. And I know that Bill Romanowski is all about brain. He was the first guy to get brain supplements. Yeah, he's 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 well, because he's you know the thing I love about Bill is he's not only highly curious, but he was like selfishly going, I better look into this for my own well-being. So for about I don't know maybe the last ten years before Laird stopped drinking, it wasn't like oh wow this is so fun. This was like oh this is like self-medication. And I remember um, Laird's drinking name was Larry. <laughs> Larry's here. Let me tell you, Larry's fucking scary. Okay, like, <laughs> and it wasn't like he's going to beat the children or me. That's not, not that's what I'm talking about. Like, we lived on Maui on a big property. And it would be like, take out a military vehicle and see if you can take it up to the top of that hill. Not like in, there was no people around or like maybe jump off a cliff and like, you know, who knows with the full moon. And like, I think Laird, Laird had some things to work out and alcohol for him was just a way he, like, Oh, I want to be angry and I'm going to use alcohol to get myself all the way there. So he'd start at like four 30 or five, but he'd be done by nine or nine 30. Yeah. But the as I wasn't like, Hey, Hey, let me chill. And like be with my boys. It was like full. And sometimes the guys would come around, but it, the energy was like, you know, just so intense. And I remember thinking I was pregnant with my third and second biological daughter. And I was like, God, Laird is a smart guy. I really hope he figures it out. Cause I knew intuitively, like I could hang in there for a minute, but I was like bringing another kid into the world. And I think I'm going to not have the bandwidth. And yeah. listen, usually, and you don't tell somebody, Hey, you got to stop drinking. And you don't tell, and actually you don't tell a guy like Laird anything. You just don't like that's ineffective. And so I remember just watching. And then at one point I did say to him, you should do this until our girls are all teenagers. So at least we'll get one benefit, which is they'll see this and then they probably will avoid this in their life. It was deeper because I think Laird wasn't groomed for success. And so he had a really, he, he was trying to figure it out. He was like, why do I get to do this? Why am I allowed? I haven't been given this my, you know, my whole time. And I think he had shame around success. That makes sense. Does that make any sense? Well, yeah, because he's in a he's in an occupation where, especially his heroes, it seems his heroes were the ones who did it and didn't say anything. And 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 so there's a survivor's remorse in that of like going like, how come everyone's focused on me? I have a million reasons why everyone's focused on him. Number one, fucking North Shore. He was like the fucking star of North Shore. I mean, like everyone knew that that was like the biggest movie to us. I mean, I was in ninth grade eighth grade when i saw north shore and it like i mean that's like and so it makes total sense and there's a thing of him that is that you only that like only cowboys and 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 go, the gold rush people have that you know that or like or like fucking jack kerouac or like the real the real renaissance men have i mean it's and there's like the and there's this part of him that like that like I wish I had where it's like, I remember you had a video. You're like, yeah, there's no controlling light. He's filling up holes in our driveway right now. Like he just starts working. Oh, Laird is, I know, I've never seen anything like it actually. And he, he, I don't know. He has some internal compasses that are, his North star is so strong. I'll tell you a funny thing after this. So anyway, so I think he got to a place where it was like trying to wrestle. Like, why am I getting to do this? I grew up as like a, you know, kind of in this one way. And now I get to like, 
do what I really love for a living. And so I think that that was just his way of going process of going through it. Cause he's sensitive. No, no, pe- you know, people who drink or whatever, or do drugs or anything, they're not insensitive people. It's the opposite, right? Like they're the most sensitive. And yeah. so, um, I think, it, you know, it was gonna, and we had to go through some, a couple things for Laird to go, I'm not in charge of this. And once we did, um, I, he's like, I got, I can't, I'm not in charge of this. So I gotta, I'm going to stop. And so that was really interesting. I think for six months I held my breath thinking, Oh, is this going to, is this going to stick? Um, cause you just, that's what happens. And, um, and it, it's been interesting cause it's almost like, I don't know if you have this in, in your own relationship when you're with someone long enough and people make their changes. Sometimes you're like, wow, I so appreciate this new version or this, um, uh, kind of evolved version of the person I married that makes me love them in a deeper, fuller way and admire them more. And all these things that, um, instead of like, Oh, he just never drank from our relationship. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 It does. Oh, I really admire you even more. So anyway, so I think, you know, that was what Laird needed, needed to do. And as his partner, I think it's just like, you have that faith in somebody that, they're they're going to figure it out but you can't tell them how to figure it out they've got to figure it out on their own and so he did and he said he got rid of the wine bottle put the pellegrino bottle in its place there was some dessert for a while you know sugar and then he he got through it um but as far as like his north star thing that's in him like work fix things do things and then i was laughing because you know everyone's watching this like that that tiger king show on netflix yeah okay so i i watched it right and i'm i'm pretty good about like you know, trying to be productive and healthy minded and like learn and all this stuff. But I was like, Oh yeah, no, I'm fully, I like, I would never watch like a real housewives of anything, but this, I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. So Laird walked in. I swear to God, he didn't know anything about it. 30 seconds. He's listening. He's not even watching. And he goes, are you seriously watching this? And I was like, um, yes, I am. Right. But then everyone in my house cycled through it. Then my middle daughter, then my last daughter. And they're like, can you believe? And he's like, I've had to hear about this stupid show five times. Does this make you all feel better about your lives? Like, is that why you like it? Because they're all, they're like sociopaths, right? Or whatever. And he, and I'm like, do you not have any of that? He just, he does not. Like yeah. watching people be like fucked up and stupid or like destructive or whatever. He's not like, wow, that's interesting. Like gnarly. Um, calculated, whatever, cool, but like destructive and all that, he doesn't go for it. I'm always fascinated by people that don't, uh, like I, I like to indulge in gossip every now and then. And I have a group of friends that get into gossip. And I had a friend who not only wouldn't get into gossip, but it would bother him that it would excite me. Like he'd be like, why you, that's, like, and I, I'm always fat, but th- those are, those are people that like, those, uh, those are fascinating. Those are no- anomalies to me, you know, like, yeah, I'm pretty good, but I live with somebody and it's not even like a thing. Like he's walking around with no shirt on. He's like a caveman. It's not like he's got some high moral ground. He's chill, but it's yeah. like, why would you do that? It's like, uh, I don't know. Cause it, it's sort of entertaining. I don't know. You know? <laughs> So, I mean, imagine I've been living with that guy for 24 years and I'm just like, you know, so I think also that's kind of like, maybe you get that built in person who's like, you want to try to be better. Okay. You know, why not? Yeah, I can't. Um, 
what I'm, I'm gonna i'll get you out of here soon i don't want to take well, up your time I, I left a lot of time for you because I, I i like you and i didn't want um any there's no frame around it do you remember where we met is this like a trick question no no do you know we we did a pilot together oh uh you introduced me to um kombucha wait where were we we did a pilot for um Loveline. Oh, that's right. And I was, and I said, and I was, I was, I was obsessed with you and Laird already. Like, but I, and I didn't say anything. And I remember saying to you, you should do my friend's podcast, my friend, Joe Rogan. You're like, I know Joe Rogan. And I said, you should do his podcast. a really big podcast. By the way, this is probably fucking seven years ago. I was going to say, I think my kids were born. That's right. Did you ever, did you think this chick's weird drinking mushroom? uh... No, no. I said to you, do you party? And you said, no, but I'll have a kombucha every now and then. And I I said, really, there's alcohol in there? And you went, yeah. And I heard that and I thought, well, Gabby's drinking it. She's this, she's this lighthouse for health. I'm going to, and so I went to the store and I remember saying, there's alcohol in these, right? And they're like, yeah, by the way, it's inconsequential amounts of alcohol. But I remember drinking like, Four kombuchas in a night going like, I'm not feeling it. Oh, I, that's right. I remember. I was kind of hoping that they would actually do something fun with that because I thought talking about those type of topics would have been fun. It was a fun, it was a fun pilot, but. Um, that's right. Joe was already doing his podcast. I have to say, it's been fascinating to watch the trajectory of his whole, you know, kind of ether and universe where uh, it's not the intention. And yet it happens. And then the person is staying, they hold their line somehow. And, you know, listen, I, when I used to watch Fear Factor, I wanted to punch Joe in the face. I hated that show. Oh, yeah. I couldn't stand, like the whole thing. I was like, this, this whole thing. And then to see somebody who, going back to like someone who builds on to their original foundation and you go, how's this guy? Look at the amount of work this person has done. Um, I'm... I'm fascinated, um, and 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 actually now I look at it and I go, oh, and let's bring the smartest people in the world to you that you that they do a mini class for you for three hours, and then you get to leave just a little smarter and take that with you. I think the whole thing is really, it's just a really good reminder to all of us that like uh, you could add on to your, you could add additions on forever. The uh, the one thing I'll say to anyone listening, and and this is something I used to do, and I had a conversation with Joe about this a long time ago when Chris Rock did his special, Bring the Pain, that we all will say is probably one of the best comedy specials ever recorded. One of the things that was really fascinating was Cornell West at the time invited Chris Rock to come have Sunday dinner, Sunday supper with him and his friends. And it was the smartest, most intelligent, thought-provoking, controversial um, minds of the time in Brooklyn. I think they would have dinner in Brooklyn and Chris Rock said he used to just go there and sit and listen and I remember I remember hearing that and going so sometimes it's not about talking which is my fault but it's about listening and listening to brilliant people I remember talking to Joe and uh, Joe was talking about doing a a pool show Uh, he wanted to do a show on billiards and I said Joe I don't give a fuck what you talk about the fact that you're interested in it makes me interested in it I go you're one of the most interested persons in the world like he is just interested in things and that in and of itself and he's passionate about it and his passion about learning 
inspires anyone else's passion. I mean, I know shit about stuff I should not fucking know because I've listened to Joe. Uh, yeah. Breath hold techniques, uh, saunas. I mean, just stuff, infrared, dirt versus, like, I know stuff where I get into conversations with people and I go, and then you, you, someone's like, how, why, how do you know about this at all? And you're like, I, just, I don't know, man. I listen to a podcast. <laughs> no, it's true. I have, you know, I, I'm, and also, but then not to have the wattage to remember it, apply it, be able to rediscuss it. You know, he, ha- he has a couple other things going for him that are, are pretty unique. Um, he's a very fascinating guy but when i when he had you and laird on or even kelly slater or some of the people where i've been fascinated my whole life with those are the podcasts where i lose my mind where i'm like okay and now let's hope our interest lines up to like what like because i'll i'll immediately next time i see him i'm like okay gabby let's let's talk about that podcast like she's amazing and i'm so glad you're doing a podcast i mean it's so so dialed in for you. So, um, thank you. I, you know, what's funny is doing the podcast is interesting though, because I'm looking, <clears throat> so I, you know, you, you, you listen to ones that you're interested in, right? Like some could be funny and, and, you know, Tim Ferriss, like, okay, information, Ben Greenfield, like weird amounts of information. <laughs> Joe, who, Joe, you know, the thing too is like, again, and as this goes back to always knowing like who you are mm-hmm. is as a, as a, as me, who I am. And also like what I, I'm, think I can do best to contribute to like the tribe, whatever, you know, that is, is like, I'm breaking everything down to like third to fifth grade. Cause I want to get granular, but I know that most people that are granular don't need that, but it's more about the people who don't have any of the information and saying, okay, how do we make it even feasible for you? Like to start and, and just have fun with that. And but I do envy sometimes you guys, because as comedians, right, you can go from one side of the spectrum and like, I joke, like you, Joe can go from like a dick joke to quantum physics in like three sentences. And like, you know, as females, it's like, you, you can't, you, it's almost like they ask you to choose. Yeah. Right. Like you got to kind of choose. And I'm like, okay, I'll just choose being a human. My experience is a chick. I am married to a guy. I have three daughters. I come from sports, a little bit of self-care. That's what I can do. So I'm, I'm glad. And, and actually, I don't know if Joe knows it, but when he said it, I had been, I had done a one with Neil Strauss, the truth barrel for a while. And, um, and after that, I was like, well, maybe I want to do it, but uh, I don't know if I want to do it on my own. And when Joe said it to me at the show, I was like, you know, what? Fuck it. I'll, I'm going to do it. Cause I, I, I get from, I, I tweeted like, immediately. I tweeted or I posted immediately uh, on, on Instagram. I forget where I put it, but you absolutely need to have a podcast. You, I mean, with, without with the day he said it to you on that podcast, I think I want to say I listened to it the second it came out. You are one of the few, like I'm saying, like, I'll tell everyone they should do a podcast. I will. I do think it's a great way to, uh, it's an extension of your social media. I think they're awesome. People find it. It doesn't need to be the world's biggest podcast to be a successful podcast. In my opinion, some yeah. of the best ones are the ones that only are getting 10,000 listens, but I dig it. But you, without a doubt or someone I can't find enough material on online. And I'm not even joking. Well, Bert, thank you. And I have to, I'm always, I, I have to tell you something really funny. It just reminded me of a story that I had, I had somebody write me a note when I was like, I had been dating Laird for a year and I guess somehow they'd watched North shore and then they had been, and they, and it makes me think of like people 
thought it was very funny and odd that we came together. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like no Laird and I, but it came from interviewing Laird. I interviewed Laird for a TV show called the extremists. And that's actually how we met. Really? What was the extremist? I feel like I would have seen it. It was like a birthed off show from MTV sports. So Dan Cortez who created MTV sports, he got hurt. And he was like, I'm not doing the things anymore. You, how, did, how did Dan Cortez get hurt? I feel like he got hurt on what would be now a four-wheeler, but was a three-wheeler. Mm. Like, I think it was something like North Carolina and he got hurt. And so he told his producers, which actually makes sense. I'll do all the wraparounds, send me to the fancy, like the fun events at MTV with the cool person. And then we'll let someone else go kill themselves. And actually, um, Henry Rollins was doing segments. So it was like me going and doing some weird event and then they do a quick thing with him. And then Dan would be sitting like on a chair and like talking to some really famous actor or athlete and be like, Oh, you know, Gabby Reese, you know, she's like nine feet tall. She's going to go jump out of a plane. And then they cut to me. And so off that show, after a couple seasons, then they created a show called the extremist and Laird was my guest. So in it, talking to people has really <laughs> done me right. Uh, you're, you're, I mean, you are, as I would say, as interested as Joe. I mean, I listened to you and I want to talk to you about, um, I've just gotten into, this is, by the way, so late in my life to get into it, but I'm a little obsessed with uh, supplements and vitamins and I've never given a shit about them in my entire life. Right. But I just, like, I had a brilliant idea and then I was like, I cannot be the first person to have this idea. (laughs) But that's how little I was. Like, I was like, I was like, I want to go to a doctor. I want to have him test my body and tell me what nutrients I need. And then I want, I wish they had like self-prescribed, like you could like take a 21 and me test and then send it in and then they'd send you the vitamins. And I'm like, I'm like, that's got to exist. That's got to fucking exist. Well, there's versions of that, right? You can get your blood work done and they can go, Hey, you're low here and here and here. Um, I think, you know, what happens is, as you move through this kind of story of like, I train, I supplement, I do all these things. The deeper you get into the story, you start to realize, okay, where I can cover the gaps, I will. But things like mushrooms, we're all deficient in vitamin D as in dog. Even if you're layered and you've been in the sun all the time, most everybody's deficient in D. It's just the way it is. That's, that's, what's, that's crazy. I, the one thing I learned was like uh, they were talking in just in a deep dive of vitamins. They were saying no one's getting enough vitamin D. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, that's got to be insane. Yeah. So we have that. And then but you, you start to go, oh, we got to go back to the things that the earth really provides, like, oh, turkey tail and, you know, lion's mane and all these things that it's not like you take it and you feel immediately something like even caffeine, you could do it. Or if you took niacin before you worked out and you didn't want to mess up your sleep, but you, you needed a little boost of energy, you'd feel that like right away. So you start to go, oh, could I get it in my food? Could I get my butt to bed so I could actually genuinely recover? And for, listen, if you're doing a show and you're up till two or three, because you guys are jacked up and you're excited and you're hanging out with each other after the show, that's what it is. But on the nights that you're home and with your babe and with your girls, get to bed. Because then when you do that Saturday or Friday and Saturday together, you're not getting your ass kicked so hard in your overall you know, health report card. Um, and just kind of, I would say like they talk, they talk about the 80, 20, it's like, just try to do the right stuff 80% of the time. 
Because if the joy you get from being up late with your boys and your fellow comedians and doing your job and your shows Friday and Saturday when we get back to normal, stress is still the worst thing. It's just still the worst thing. Being unhappy, being stressed out. So it's like getting people to remember, like, don't be militant. Be disciplined about your health, but don't approach it in a militant way because then that's a weird stress. And like, make yourself happy. Like, and if that means staying up late on Saturday night, because also it is your job, but it's like your people. Awesome. Mid-roll reads. Mid-roll reads. What are they? These are mid-roll reads. Let's talk about finding freelance talent for your project and or business. Sometimes a business needs to quickly pivot in order to meet a goal. Or maybe an unexpected obstacle shows up, making it impossible for you to meet your deadline with the size of your team. Where do you find on-demand talent? How much is it going to cost? How are you going to be certain they're going to deliver? Finding the right freelancer can be time-consuming and frustrating and even expensive. Fiverr's platform helps keep businesses moving with a network of trusted freelance talent. Uh, I am always looking for a graphic artist. Always looking for a graphic artist and a dog walker, it seems like. You hear that dog in the background? And what the problem with me is, is I put it out on social media. I get the product I want. I then hit them up and they know they've got me on the line. So then they try to upsell me. Ah, how about this? How about this? And then I just go, you know what? Never mind. I wish I had just used Fiverr because whether you're launching your first business or scaling your current business in need of extra support to complete a project, Fiverr is here to help you evolve, adapt, and grow. Fiverr connects businesses with freelancers who offer hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and much, much more. Find what you're looking for instantly. You can search by service, deadline, price, review, and more. Know exactly what you're paying up front, which is amazing. No negotiation needed. 24 hour a day, seven days a week customer service and quality count talent you can count on. Sellers have worked with some of the most influential brands in the world and finding the right talent for your project has never been easier. You can review sellers' ratings, buyer feedback, and select the right freelancer based on your budget. Check out Fiverr today and receive 10% off your first order by using my promo code, BERTCAST. It's so easy. Find all the digital services you need in one place. That's Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com and use the promo code BERTCAST again. Fiverr.com and the promo codes BERTCAST. If your mailbox is anything like mine, 90% of the time, it's a fairly depressing place. Political flyers, utility bills, an unholy amount of coupons. But once a month, I do have a reason to be stoked. That's because of my box of awesome from Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post is amazing. It's like a lifestyle box that shows up at your house and it's got all the stuff you've ever wanted. They're amazing. These guys send you only the best stuff every month. No matter what you're into, Box of, a Box of Awesome has you covered. From styling and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, which is through the roof for me, and outdoor gear. Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. I got from them this thing I'd seen one time in, uh, in Alaska. It was they would use it, the Inuits would use it to cut salmon. And I didn't buy one there. And I always regretted it. And then Box of Awesome had one. They sent it to me, and I love it. This is going to sound awful, but what I use it for, it's like a round smiley face blade with a handle, and you go like this. They use it for, like, de-skinning salmon. I use it for chopping salads. I put my salad in a bowl, and it fits perfectly in my bowl, and I chop up all my salad inside the bowl. I love it. To get started, all you got to do is take the quiz 
at boxofawesome.com. Your answer will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories, and signing up is free. You can skip a month or cancel at any time. Each box only costs 45 bucks, but it has well over $70 worth of gear. It's super easy, super fun, and it gives you something to look forward to when you go to the mailbox. Get 20% off. Get 20% off. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the promo code BERT at checkout. That is boxofawesome.com. Use the code BERT for 20% off your first box. You know, you, t- you mentioned heat and ice. Um, when we when we lift quarantine, I want to have you guys over. And if you're into the water, we can teach you the pool stuff, no problem. But if you said to me one- You have like an old school pool. Your pool is like 12 feet deep. Oh, yeah. Oh, we just bought a house that uh, has a- There's a lot of rules, right? What? There's a lot of rules now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the house we bought has a pool there and we were going to rip it out and then put a new pool in. And it's a 12-foot pool. It's a, it's like a 30-year-old pool. Yeah. My daughter, Isla, was like, and I'd shown Isla. So Isla and I, a uh, little sidebar. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, so like whenever the kids are here, they'll be like, ask me to create a game. I'm really good at coming up with games. One of the games I played was based off of the exercises you and Laird were doing. So we were taking weights into the pool okay. and we were creating, um, in our friends pool, we were creating games back and forth. Who could do it the fastest? Who could do the most weight? We were running on the bottom of the pool. We were putting pools in our uh, weights in our feet and treading water. We were doing a bunch of different, it was all based off of stuff I'd seen you and Laird doing. Okay. So we get the new house and I want to move the pool and Isla is my youngest, kind of more physical child. Yes. Like, don't. She goes, let's keep this pool. Dad, no one's got a 12-foot pool. We can scuba dive in it. We can yeah. take weights down to the bottom. Dad, think about this. And so now we're leaving the pool because it's got a 12-foot deep end. Yeah, and think about this. Like Now Laird, our friend, just got him almost, I guess, like a snuba setup. We just have to the, – the, the trick with that is and we're going we're gonna to do a little more research. You can never hold your breath. Like he Because he, now he wants to figure out how do I just stay under, yeah. like just stay down. And um, like you can do squat, ballistic jumps, you can do all this stuff because now we can come up and get a breath and go down and come up and things like that. But he now has been talking about like, oh, I'm going to have a tube and air. But with that, you can never hold your breath. It's dangerous. Um, but it's like another world. You know, we have speakers under the water. So the music's playing underwater. And, um, it, you know, it's good on the joints. And if you're in a pissy mood, it kind of, you know, makes you feel like a million bucks. But I think um, with the, and like with the heat and the ice, they're equally amazing, but the heat is probably overall, if you talk about just straight health, it's still probably the king. Yeah. Heat. And um, today we did a cycle this morning. He put it at 160 and the protocol, uh, you've seen probably uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick on Joe. She oh yeah. By the way, I've, I've DM'd with Dr. Rhonda Patrick about uh, like, yeah. So, you know, um, we did, so we're doing an hour protocol in the morning at 160. Cause normally Laird has our barrel at 220, 225. I've done 220 in Australia and yeah. it burns yeah. your nose. Like you're, I'm going like, am I burning my lungs? No, you're not burning your lungs, but you, you know, you kind of acclimate. That's the thing. And like, if you go in our, we have a barrel, but we also now have a room. And the room has benches low and high. I'm pacing myself. You never see me go in and go on the high. Like all those guys, Laird, they all go up high. I'm like, yeah, good for you. I go down low. Um, but 
the long protocol is kind of interesting. There's a lot of health benefits. What's what's the long protocol? Is that staying in just longer? One hour. So we stay. Yeah. So my my suggestion would be like try to be hydrated before you go in because it does make a difference. So that means like trace minerals. You want to talk about health, like trace minerals, um, just to make sure you're really hydrated. Trace minerals. Pretend you're talking to a monkey. Okay, so you can go to like a Whole Foods or go online and look for something called trace minerals, which is like a lot of times you'll see minerals from the ocean, things like that, where if people, because people go, oh, I drink water, but they're actually not hydrated because sometimes depending on the kind of water, you can't, your cells don't absorb the water as well. So if you, that's why people use a little bit of pink salt or trace minerals, you just put it in there. Okay. Um, that's really getting hydrated. So if you're sawning, you better be hydrated, period. Okay. Like yeah. bad combo. And I like to hydrate before and then again after. Laird usually hydrates after, but um, he's, he likes misery more than I do. So that's at like 160. Um, if you have an infrared, it's like 130, 120. Okay. Um, but if you have a dry sauna, it's like 160 for an hour. I would put on an uh, I would put on a podcast or music or have if your wife's there and there'll be times you can visit. Sometimes it's like, okay, the last 12 minutes, like everyone, please no talking like you're because you're so hot. But one hour, um, this really can impact your health in, in a lot of great ways. So he'll do it. Sometimes he gets a little too extreme. Sometimes he'll do it twice, like at the end, end in the beginning of the day. That's him. I do it once and he'll go and do that for a solid week or two. And what's every day, every day, every day, every morning. Now, are you working out before that or after that? So for me, I space it. So like I did that. Now I'm going to visit with you and then I'll train later. If my day is super busy, which because we're in quarantine, it's a different deal. Then I'll space separate them. Like Lair did a stand. We have a stand up. Uh, have you ever seen the stand up bikes? Yeah. And he puts oven mitts on his hands. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, but I mean, he now will take it up the hill. So this morning at like, oh, oh, that thing. oh yeah, 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 yeah. So now he has a stand up bike, which is basically he has. I have one that's a sliding one that's more ellipt, like an elliptical. He has a bike that they've done the pedals differently. People can get them though, and it looks more like a mountain bike. He'll go up the hill, do that, came down, had a coffee, then we hit the sauna for an hour, and then he trained after. I will now train after you because I like to space it. I don't like to train right after. Now, if you do that for a week, your body start to acclimate, you would be able to put training closer to it for sure. Okay. Okay. You got but my next I, thing. Hydrate. If you add the trace minerals right after the sauna, you'd be surprised how much better you perform at anything you're doing, uh, including just talking. Now, uh, when you say, when you say train, what does your training look like? Mine's pretty basic, but like what, when you say train, what do you? When I do, I do, if I do land training on the land, it's high intensity. So probably 48 to 52 minutes of work. I might think I don't do a lot of stopping. I try to get on one leg a lot because, you know, like being, you know, the idea about like just lifting heavy weight is kind of silly. It's not functional. So the more people can get on one foot here and there, especially then if you see me in 20 years, you'd be like, wow, Gabby still seems coordinated. And like, if she almost fell, she could write herself. There's a guy Which is Gabby. so important. It's everything. There's a guy yeah. that we work with, Dr. Andy Galpin, who works with us in, like on the XPT side of our, our stuff. And he talks about the three tests that they do for living really well and independently would be you're about to fall, your ability to write yourself, your um, 
VO2 capacity. So even if you're older, 75, 80, it doesn't mean your VO2 capacity can't be the same as a 40-year-old. And then lastly, it would be your ability to get up and down. So what does that mean? Out of bed, off the toilet. So people have to realize balance and continuing leg strength, functional movement. Because if you're just somebody like banging iron and squatting, there's a place for that. And maybe you're going to use it in performance. But really, if you're talking about training, it's like get on one foot, get in these positions where it may not be about a ton of weight, but it's about the whole body moving in an organized way. So See, that's, that's what I, I said to Joe the other day. I said, you know, I started lifting weights. If I just did it because I want my bone density to be, be stronger. And I, don't, I just don't want to be – It's for me, it's anti-aging, legit. It's like I don't – obviously, I want to look good, I guess. But, like, I really just want to – like you said, falling and breaking a hip is the beginning of the end. It is that is when you get old. Right. And just move correctly. Like, I don't know if you have a dog, but if like all of a sudden you got a 50 pound bag of dog food, don't bend over to pick it up, squat down, grab it. So for me, I have always, and and I like the idea of like high performance. And then the other three days that I train, I do it in the pool and that's a whole other beast that, um, you know, is like, it kind of changed my, we've been doing that training for about 11 years and that really changed my view about a lot of things, but that allows you because you're, you can do hypoxic training. You can touch the curtain a lot with your breath and lack of oxygen and training. And also being like, this is the coolest thing about it. Besides the, you can be ballistic and not pound your joints. What's amazing about that is there are certain drills that we set up that the only way to really finish it is your ability to, to be calm. So it creates this environment that's objective. The water doesn't, isn't here. It doesn't give a shit. It's not like good job, bad job. It's just, there's air above it. There's no air below it. And the only difference some days is like my mind's on other things. My eyes are too open. My eyes being too open could make it that I can't finish the drill and then get there and back and there and back under without a breath. And so it's all that thing. So then when you come into land and you're in real life and your kid's doing something and whatever, you're like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. And can I still stay relaxed? So there is something really interesting about holding your breath and being relaxed because you can't just, you can't always just get after it. And I think as you live in life, you know, it's like the, we joke about the palm tree and the storm. Why are palm trees still around? Because when the wind really is cranking, which could be like your children or your job, you fucking, you lay down, you roll with it. And then what happens? The wind stops, you stand back up. And as somebody who wants to like muscle everything, me, I'm like, yo, I have to get some skills in kind of going and relaxing. And the water really teaches that for sure. That, I, I'm fascinated by your all. It's X, I, I keep, I've Googled it a million times. Oh, XPT? XPT's training. I'm fascinated by it because I saw you guys are friends with John C. McGinley. Yeah. Yeah. And like he came to your house and he's doing it. And I'm like, and then you're watching people do it for the first time. And you know, water for the average person yeah. is absolutely terrifying. I, I have athletes that come here that are like the best at what they do. Like let's say some guys in the NBA and they, um, they, they were not exposed to water when they were young for obvious reasons. They grew up in urban environments or whatever. And they come in the pool and I say to them, listen, the bravest thing you can do as an adult if he's, is, it, is to be in, to learn to swim or swim or be in water 
when you're not comfortable. The bravest thing you can do. So it's like trying to remind people because we do have XPT people who come and sometimes they're they're not good in the water. And it's like reminding them like, it you know you're a champ for even just being here. Yeah. Um. And and then and then kind of leading them through it um, because you know, we take it for granted. I grew up in the Caribbean, Larry grew up surfing, you grew up in Florida. When you're not in water, water is freaking scary. And water can be scary. Like water is legit. like, we went spearfishing in Florida and you get down too low and, cu- and coming up and you're like, God damn it, Bert, what are you like? The water is a real, um, it, it just, it equalizes everything because when you look at people who are you know, I'm obsessed for whatever reason. And, and I am very seldomly in the water these days. All that comes up on my Instagram is surfing videos, spearfishing videos, free diving videos, boats launching into water. It's all water related. Yeah. And so, um, well, they say it takes like an 18, like an 18 inch wave that could knock down some huge, um, that has enough energy to knock down like a certain amount of wall. I think it's the volume. I mean, think about it. We're water the planet's water. It's like, I think we also have such a primal connection, but inherent fear slash respect for it because all types of water. I mean, if you think about it, rivers, hydraulic, constant, that's a whole other beast. Oh yeah. Like I'm more afraid of that kind of water than I am the ocean in the way of like the non-ceasingness. I have such a respect for water that is that is, I think some people, especially like maybe my wife and kids don't have because they didn't grow up technically around the water. But I like, uh, like even just a, a long swim, I go, I go, Hey guys, let's, we have this thing called the Alabama channel in, in my, we have a, a house in Alabama that on the lake and it's, it's from one side to the other. And I'll, it's a pretty long swim. And I go, guys, we got to bring some sort of flotation device. Because for whatever reason, if something happens, it's catastrophic. And my go- my girls make fun of- my girls make fun of me so much. Now, cut to, and I wish I wasn't talking this much. Cut to, we are in we are in uh, in oof, maybe Fiji, maybe maybe Bali. We're we're maybe we're in Hawaii, and uh, and we wanted to go snorkeling, and there was a very very popular place to go snorkeling and, and it was overrun it wasn't what in my opinion or your opinion you would ever want to do but my daughters don't know the ocean that well and they go this is perfect we got swept out into a little bit of a riptide now growing up in florida anyone fuck anyone from the ocean immediately knows what to do very calm right and i had brought flotation devices with us so that we had my daughters got scared Gabby, I swear to you, I swear to you on both their lives. I have never felt more love from my daughters when they were terrified for their lives. And I never felt like a better parent when I was like, guys, this is called the ocean. We have to respect it. And really casually, we have flippers on. We're going to be totally fine. Grab the noodle. We're going to, we're going to swim parallel to the beach. We're going to get out pretty deep, but we're going to be fine. There's no sharks out here. We're going to be fine. We're going to swim in when we get out there. And we got back in and they were freaking out. And I felt, but I literally, I, I tried to write a joke about it going, I only love my daughters when they're scared. But like, <laughs> it was so. They only love you. They, they don't, they, I mean, and it, and it happened in Fiji too, I think. I want to say the place was in Hawaii. I love Hawaii. I, I, I laid in bed with my wife and I said, Hawaii is the greatest place in the world. 
It is. It's well, but it's also heavy ocean, right? Like where I grew up in the Caribbean, and we spent time in the BVI, Virgin Gorda, Necker Island, which is now you know Richard Branson's island. But like, oh, okay, you know, when you have an ocean that has fan coral, it's not that it's not heavy duty. But Hawaii has like no continental shelf. The power's just coming in like a freight train on the North Shore, you know, on the on the unprotected sides or the direction of the swell. And I think it's it's um it, it's funny because the most safe person I know is Laird. And it's because he's like, listen, it's all fine until it's not. And you get guys that are like doing anything pretty heavy duty. They know how quick it goes the other way. I mean, I've seen boats that, um, I saw a boat that was out filmed with a cameraman on it, filming Laird. I mean, I'm talking like years, 20 years ago. And one of the motors went out on the boat and Laird went in on the jet ski and they beached the skis. They were done. And he turns around and this jet boat is now one of the motors have blown in. And the guy decides he's going to try to punch it. They're out there surfing and it's 25 feet, Hawaiian, 50 foot faces. The guy decides to try to beat the wave out instead of turn around and go in. And in a matter of like this quick, the boat's going up the side of the, up the front of the wave coming down the wave, the wave is breaking a 50 foot face in the boat. The boat's now up, flipped upside down. So I think for, for people who have spent any time in the water, they're like, yeah, 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 sure. It, it's all okay until it isn't. And that's like any of those situations, mountain people, river people, it's like things go wrong. So Laird always says the bigger it is, the slower they move. Like it is so calculated. There, there are so many things built in place to try to at least address if something goes down. Um, and anytime you meet somebody and they're like, oh, I'm gnarly and I do something gnarly and they're cavalier or whatever, um, they're probably not the guy. Uh, yeah. Do you, did you guys, do you spend a lot of ocean, a lot of time in the ocean as a family? Yes and no. I mean, you know, Laird goes out, that's it. He, like when we're in Hawaii, if there's surf, he'll go out for six hours, literally until they run out of fuel on the skis like it's then they have to go in um and then we'll go out he where our property where we have we can actually take a little boat right out from the river out to Honolulu bay on Kauai. so he'll he'll even just say impromptu like i'm working and he's like uh do you want to go out and like look at the bay and i'm like yes i do thank you for reminding me that it's out there and with the girls too my youngest will surf with her friends not with us and my middle just loves the water. So yeah, but you know, I don't think we're so different than any other family. If we say, girls, let's go out to the ocean. They're just like, oh my God, I'm going with my friends. When they were little, yeah. sure. But they're like, they're at that age, man. Like Laird always reminds me, he's like, do you know how much contact our girls give us? Like, cause they are around and like loving and nice, but then they're like beaded and I'm going in my room. And he's like, yeah. do you know how normal that is? And I'm like, you know, like every mother, it's like you kind of understand and then you worry that like you're dysfunctional somehow. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I'm, I'm, I, I'm the, the, my takeaway from this podcast is, is something that you probably threw away, but the concept of take up space. I love that. Take up space. You were talking about being a woman in the industry and you're like, you don't want to take up space, but you know, taking up space is so important for men and for anyone because it has to do with confidence and and being okay with who you are 
and being like, you know, I deserve to take up space. I belong here. Well, or, or I don't, you know, it's an interesting thing, deserve, right? Like, I don't actually think any of us deserve anything, but if you're going to be there and, yeah. you know, don't apologize, but also like, then do something. Don't just like suck the air out of the room and take up space, like take up space and contribute something and do something. And like, I think the other important thing is, and like I was saying at the beginning of this is be around a lot of smart, badass people and still within that trust yourself. Because I have found that if you said to me, Gabby, what has worked? What has worked is like, I've just sort of said, okay, I'll do what feels really good to who I am and I'll work really hard. And beyond that, it's like that faith that like stuff's going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll tell you what, Gabby, this has been a pleasure. I, I'm been a fan of yours for my entire uh, adolescent and adult life. I've, I've watched more videos of you and your husband than I care to share, than of, of my own family, probably. Um, I can't wait till this quarantine's lifted. I'm going to take you up on coming I, out, and I would love that. When you sent that to me, you were like, you know, it's so funny. You sent that text, and you were like, hey, share my number with whoever you need to share with, and we would love to have you out at the house. I, all I heard, I didn't even read the first part. I didn't even send your number forward to get this podcast booked. I just went, I'd love to have you at the house. And I was like, I'm getting this on right now. I'm going to, I need to train for this. I was like, I can't be this fat and go out there. Are you kidding me? But like, I am like, I, I absolutely a massive fan. And I'm so glad you're doing a podcast and, and, and taking up space because you're, you're just a really brilliant person and, and super like I, I can't, I can't get enough of you. More, more content of you online. I would like to interview you. I'd actually rather interview you in person because I want to ask you some questions um, because I think you have some answers to things that you don't realize you do. You just did it. Yeah. And um, so if you're prepared for that, you know, it's funny. I interviewed Tom Papa. <laughs> I felt sorry for him because you know what he said to me at the end? He goes like this. He goes. I hope I wasn't too serious. And I was like, I'm not bringing on a funny guy to be like, be funny. Yeah. I want to talk to you as a human being. I'm a much better interview than I am interviewer. I am. When I started this podcast, I I thought the initial concept of this podcast was I would be the guest and I would have people interview me. So that was the whole premise. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so I was at a bar in Mexico and I said to the, I had my podcast equipment, gave the mic to the, (laughs) Totally. And I said, it's I want you to interview me because I'm a really good interview. I, he, I get that. Yeah, well, it was great on paper. It was a horrible. I had, I had a guy come up to me once and he goes, hey, Gabby, I have people that I like or are known um, take pictures of me. And I was like, perfect. So then he has, you take his picture and then he writes who has, who has taken the picture. So that concept, but in, instead of like, can I get a picture of you or with you? Yeah. You take a picture of him. And then it was like that. I, I, I secretly, when, if I get to go back on Joe, I have questions for Joe for real. Well, you should have Joe on your podcast. That's the, that's the, I'll I tell think, you, I mean, look, I, we're, we're going to talk. I, pod- I think when you like somebody and you respect them, you kind of, it's like you see what would work for them. And I think with Joe, the last thing he wants is really to be interviewed. Well, and- Joe's such an open book is that I think he feels like all these have, are out there. And you know, and the and the truth is, I've I've said to, I said to him a long time ago, pr- probably seven years ago, I was like, "Hey man, I'd love to have you on my podcast." 
And he was like, yeah, or you could be on mine and we could get people to listen to your podcast. And I was like, good call. <laughs> well, I'm really excited for you about, you know, just like you taking care of yourself and I'm excited when you come over, but I'm, I, uh, I do have questions for you. I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait. Um, and, uh, yeah, I feel like I, I hope I'm training right now just for the time that I get to get in the sauna with you guys. And, and then you guys listen to me say all my hacky lines. I've say every time I get in the sauna, Oh, I wish this sweat came out dark. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> not in here. I know I've heard it. All. Are you in, are you in California or, or Hawaii? No, we're here in California because, um, Hawaii is a tough place right now to be quarantined. Is, are they quarantining in Hawaii? Oh, it's in like gnarly lockdown. Oh, I I'm, I follow some kid Jamie O'Brien's vlog, oh, yeah. and uh, and he's he's really interesting. I want yeah. I, there's I have notes like I, he's one of the guy I like to get on the podcast because I I would love to talk to him. I love what he's doing. I love what he's doing, but uh, but yeah, oh, I'm, I'm 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 you'd be shocked. My fandom of surfers is like of like guys I follow. I mean, I watched Shane Dorian take this kid out yeah. surfing Jaws for the first time. And I was like, Oh, so. <laughs> well, let me know if you want to talk to Larry. He, uh, he's always, you know, interesting, uh, has a very different perspective. You know, this is of somebody who does it very their own way for sure. Yeah. I, I might work my way up to him. I might, I might want to, uh, let's, let's train for Let's, let's just, uh, yeah, let's baby steps, baby steps, Gabby. <laughs> I went to Florida State. I'm a state school kid. Come on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, hey. I send you a kiss. Stay safe. Thank you so much for doing this. I can't thank, thank you. you enough. What's thank the name you. of your podcast real quick so my producer has it so I can mention it? The Gabby Reese Show. It's not, it's not that complicated. And, um, and also, when we, when we hang up, if you need any, um, anything to coffee or anything sent to you personally. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's the one thing I, I can't believe I fucking slept on. No, 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 I don't, I don't care. No, 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 the, over. I meant that personally. I'll no, say. no, no. The turmeric that you got, that coffee machine you guys gave Joe, that is the greatest goddamn coffee machine in the world. I got the turmeric um, coffee creamer and I use it in my coffee every time I get a yellow ring. But have somebody send me your physical address. And I'll, I'll, so, um, the hydrate stuff. So when you do long sauna. And um, we got some other stuff. And I'm saying this, this is meant to be just as a person, like just send it to you. I said, my dad, I just bought some online and had it shipped to my yeah. dad because uh, turmeric's great for inflammation. And my dad was like, I wish I could get more turmeric. And I was like, oh my God, jo jo the first time I came since Joe got that machine, whenever he got it, Joe made me a coffee. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And he was like, oh, it's Laird's. Laird and Gabby have this coffee. And I... And then they gave me the creamer that I put my, I put my coffee every single day. It's yeah. by the way, it tastes good. Let me, well, that you can't do it if it doesn't taste good. Laird can do it if it doesn't taste good. I can't do it. I can't. But let me um, just have them send me your address. I'll send you a care. I have package. your number. I'll text you my address now. Great. You rock. Thank you for doing this. Stay safe. Bye. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.